0: How most people's lives are structured. You may be listening to a lot of games on apps and, and following Major League Baseball closely in these playoff runs. You, you may be, and you, we'd love to hear from you if so. From me, my radio listening, even with even with the ability on demand to listen to podcasts and right. listen to other shows whenever you want to, that's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to say, oh, we don't want that. That's We appreciate those of you that take time.
1: And our show is an example.
0: Yeah, and when you listen back to the show, if you didn't get a chance to, or whatever else, we're grateful in our world that that exists and those opportunities exist. I'm just saying to you, and it is perhaps the old-fashioned way, J.P. McAvoy and Fields, 1934, Goodfield's vehicle, by the way, the old-fashioned way, but... For me, radio listening, most of the time, John, comes down to what I'm doing in and out of my vehicle
1: 100%. and driving around. 100%.
0: Now, we, if you want to kind of share with us, yeah, yeah, but that's your Spotify time, too. I mean, who knows? Are you listening to terrestrial radio <laughs> at all? I listen to a, a mix of both. I like music at times, but I'm also bouncing around, and I have us. I have... 95.3, the score from down the road in Eugene. Mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. Canzano, 750 in Portland. Three, 620, yeah. Rip City yeah, Radio. Yeah. Uh, I go on with Brendan and, and uh, Justin Myers every week with them on Thursday mornings. So I have 620, 750, 95.3, 1240 Joe Radio. And occasionally find another station that I'll grab here and there and listen to. In and out of the car while driving. And do I turn the radio on a lot after that? I would say no. You in the morning, as I'm preparing and working Mm -hmm. to get ready for the day, I listen a lot to to you and to you and Dougie almost always. That's must-listen radio for me. I enjoy that. (laughs) I'll listen to Dan Patrick some in the morning. I listen to Romy while driving around, getting ready to come out here or elsewhere. But the point is, it's mostly in my car. And the sampling of radio in my car... And there may be some I know there's much more in the world out there, and maybe this is why I'm asking those of you what what you hear. Do you listen to games? What I hear is national talking heads, 70 to 80 percent, and that may be low. Yeah, when I do that, seven out of ten times, I'm hearing the NFL being right, talked about. Right, right. And and maybe college football. I'll give Dion this. When Dion and the Buffaloes got off to their hot start, and Dave from Tumwater and others said, Well, You got to, he's bumped the NFL off a little bit because (laughs) people suddenly, but part of that, in all fairness, well, they were in theory talking Colorado Buffaloes and thus college football. They were talking about the phenom and the phenomenon that Deion Sanders was in the national footballing. Now he was a great college football player too. I get that. Right. But in choosing to talk about Deion Sanders and what he's doing in the NFL, I mean, in college football. Under the auspices of. It's still because he was an incredible NFL player. Right, right, which he was. Yeah, and so even that was still the NFL in a sense. Right, right. And Major League Baseball too. But I don't, when I hear the national people talk about Major League Baseball, it has a feel of almost like, yeah, we should, we better, (laughs) we'll get this in. And now we'll, and then coming up next. We'll yeah. talk about Jalen Hurts. You know, whatever. I mean, yeah. that's it. I feel like just constantly. So I'm curious to know that being the world and Doug Gottlieb saying Tuesday and Wednesday, the only days of the week where baseball might be able to take a little bit more primacy on the on your radio dial. <laughs> does it take does it have any place in your life right now? Dave from Tumwater gave us Orioles updates. TJ gave us kind of a a Mariner fans update. Yeah, but there's Th- them being out. Is there anything left for any of you out there? Oh, yeah, these playoffs interest me a lot, and here's why. I just feel like unless we begged for that kind of conversation, yeah. we wouldn't get it.
1: Well, I know that our, our our audience, it's not necessarily our target, but our audience is mostly older, maybe 35, 40 plus. And that means you're working, you might be retired, you might be in the and the upper upper echelons. We have a lot of retirees who, who will hmm. listen. But I'm speaking mostly to those working. There just isn't enough time for everything. I mean, how do you watch, how do you follow college football, which we all do down here because of Mm -hmm. the Beavers? It's just, it's king. It's absolute king. And then, and then yes, there's time for the NFL on Sundays after church and, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's, there's time for the NFL, but by Monday and you're back to work and you may be so tired, where does your attention go? If it's in this time of year, because forget hockey. What if you're a hockey fan? Right. I just saw an article on the Winterhawks. I think, oh, man, I want to get up to a game. You've
0: been saying that for 15 years. And I never do. And you haven't.
1: No. And and there's just no time. And here's the funny part about this. TJ, when he came in, he represents the young version of things. and yes, he does. And his, his time online, on social media, on Twitter um i learned very fast he's a baseball guy it's all mm-hmm. about baseball with him mm-hmm. and and he's got a really good uh a, what do you call it, podcast that he and a buddy does who lives in seattle on mariner baseball and it's growing their podcast is growing and they'll be monetized soon and it's very good if you're a mariner fan mm-hmm. so i'd say what it is but i don't i don't know right now but he he kind of would have a crooked smile when when i would say you know, I I I couldn't catch that. Oh, I missed that. Now and I'm thinking, hmm, you, you, you little you smug little guy. You, you'll learn one day. And he did because recently, if you combine what he does here, he does some some stuff with Brendan on Beaver Beaver's Edge, mm-hmm. and he writes an article for 750 KXL, and he also um, does that podcast and high school football here. He just said the other day, he's on vacation right now, but he said the other day when we said, are you watching Major League Baseball? He said, no, I just don't have the time. There you go. And he is a baseball guy. Loves it. Through and through. It's almost number one for him. First and foremost, I would say, yes. And he just, yeah, no, no, just I'm too, he says, I'm too busy. And I just wanted to say. Thank you, God. It's good to hear that.
0: It is good to hear Welcome that. Welcome
1: to the world so of busyness. So, again,
0: here we go, George. Sorry, George. Not Klyovkov. We're not sorry. To, we're not, you owe us the apologies, not the other way around. But sorry uh, to George Orwell, my my dear, good my good friend who keeps saying, those of you living in the past with Jethro Tull, you're idealizing the past and you're living in the world's moving on. Those of you who can't reconcile yourself, and he uses the phrase, to a mechanized civilization, get over it. It's the way the world's going. So mechanized, technological, social media world. George, I, I'm about to apologize to you again and all by saying the days of Aunt Dorothy. She's my precious example because I think of Aunt Dorothy. The big smile on her face when young nephew Mike would walk into the room. Who are you picking for the series this year, Mike? You know. It meant something my Aunt Dorothy, born in Sioux City, Iowa, circa eight nineteen ten. Yeah. And when she would see her little young nephew walking in, knowing that I love baseball, she'd, who are you picking in the series this year? It would be October. We haven't watched anything, but Merville and I haven't missed a World Series in 30. You know, yeah. it was just what you did and what yeah. everybody did.
1: My grandpa, and it ain't now. My grandpa, born in 1897, he... He didn't, I don't know much about his sports intake. I don't think it was anything, but I remember walking in at age eight or nine and he was watching a, a world series game on his black and white TV. This was mm-hmm. be circa 1973. Okay. What world series Met's is that? Seven
0: games. Met's Interesting series.
1: Yeah. And he was, he was a scary, gruff guy only because he couldn't breathe. Anyway, ah, get in here, get in here. Yeah. Ah, hi grandpa. He's watching the world series and he gave me and my brother a little lecture on how important the World right. Series was. Yep,
0: and I'll, and I'll never forget. Grandpa that. was right. And Nicholson, watch Cuckoo's Nest. It's Cuckoo's Nest is a good watch every once in a while. Uh, amazing cast, young actors kind of getting their starts, including Danny DeVito as Martini Hotel. Hotel.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: Christopher Lloyd play the game, Harding. Play the game. I mean, Billy Brad <laughs> wow, those is are Billy all current. Great know. lines, great. Scatman Crothers is funny in it. Jack Nicholson's brilliant in it. Louise Fletcher.
1: Yeah.
0: Milo Schwarman directing, filmed up the road from us. It is a great movie, great acting, storylines, a lot of sports in it. Basketball puts, it's an old Indian game called Put the Ball in the Hole, trying to get <laughs> Chief Bromden to play right. against the, the uh, guards at the hospital. Beautiful stuff. I think it's one of the great movies of all time, period. I didn't like it because it was too upsetting. Well, it, it's, it's the, the ending doesn't make you walk out smiling
1: and high-fiving. Well, everybody. and I didn't like the control uh, that uh, I, Nurse Ratchet had.
0: Well, of course you wouldn't, but you're not supposed to like well, it. I was be, a little kid when no, it came I know. out. But but Nicholson, when he's he's reveling in the World Series, is talking about who wants to go watch the series? When are you gonna do that, Mac? Any bar downtown? <laughs> and, he, he, and he talks about even when I was in the cooler, we'd have we'd bet on the games. It was a riot talking about everybody, everybody in the cooler and everybody else watching the World Series. He goes into his play by play of the black and white television set. In the in the recreation time, gentlemen, room yeah. in the hospital, and he starts because Nurse Ratchet won't put the World Series game on. Jack goes into his own play-by-play, describing Sandy Koufax's breaking ball in a colorful manner, <laughs> and Tom Trash hitting a home run, and all this stuff. It's good, See, really they well something done. And
1: she wouldn't do it. I don't like that. Well informed.
0: Now, in terms of sports writing within a film. Yeah, that because Nicholson was a huge sports fan, probably was kind of ad libbing his own stuff and making sure it was right.
1: Governor Tom McCall's in the film on the black well, and white TV. Ron Callen, he, Ron he Callen, had a line in the the TV portion of whatever they were watching.
0: He did. He was in that. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that more carefully yeah, to find he, our own Ron Callen. We had him
1: on, and he, he he singled it out, and we're like, oh, you got to go back. It. It's
0: been a long time since I've watched it, but I got to go yeah. back and see it. But anyway. Even when I was in the cooler, we'd bet on all the games. We'd have a riot in there trying to get everybody to come around. Here's the World Series. The big event, the great event. And I just, I I think about the niche, the niche that baseball has now and how it's where it is. So I ask here in mid-October with Michael Lev to talk beaver football against the resurgent Arizona Wildcats at 1130 to Leavon Olhoffen at 1230 today talia has got a big thing going for the exhibition game next week. We'll talk about, or on the 29th, not next week, but the following week. We'll talk about that. Actually, that is, I guess, next weekend. Yeah. The day after the Beavers' return from uh, Tucson on the 29th, a free doubleheader exhibition game with a lot of things that we're hoping Beaver Nation can contribute to. And Talia will talk about some of the efforts she has been involved with and about the upcoming season. So Talia next hour, Michael Lev coming up to talk Arizona football at 1130. But as we go, John, this into break, is there anybody who would text us now or call us now? We got a couple. Whether the World Series. And I know we're not even there yet. We're in these NLDSs and Mm -hmm. ALCS things. Right. Which have been around a while, 1969. Don't get me wrong. I like those and there have been some great moments in all of those through the years. But the cooler. Even when I was in the cooler, Mike, who are you picking for the World Series? That's pre-1969 when all you had, it was America's great sporting event. Long, long gone, as Rocky Long would say. Long gone. The primacy of the game of baseball has slipped so far. So I'm just asking right here in the Mid-Valley, Corvallis, Albany, surrounding areas, sports fans who, oh, yeah, I was with your Aunt Dorothy in 1970. Yeah, I get it. But... It's been a long time since Major League Baseball postseason has had that kind of grip on a nation. There's no grip
1: at all. It's kind of strange, though, because over the years we've talked about this and and also other games like, um, what is it, the the collegiate national championship game is on a Monday night long after the regular season is done and all the bowl games are played and we're into basketball. And then it's like, Hmm. oh, by the way, the championship game. It's
0: almost a by the way.
1: But. That night, and this—I've noticed this the last couple of years. That night and the next day, when everyone kind of jokes about, oh, I kind of forgot about it. it was mm-hmm. They should—they need to put it closer to the the Rose Bowl, that kind of thing. Everybody's watching yeah. in, in sports, True. and everybody's commenting on. True.
0: It. But I and I'll watch the series. Last thing too, as we go to break, the Beavers UCLA pulled a one point four three million number. I don't have comparative numbers in front of me. Is that pretty good for that time slot with all the other stuff that was going on in college football Saturday? I mean, I've seen it kind of debated about on Twitter. Well, it's not that great. Oh, it's very good, given the the USC, Notre Dame, other games that were on. Right.
1: Uh, It's 1.43. Tulane-Memphis beat it, but that game was before the Beaver game.
0: Okay. Any thoughts on, I guess, television, what you're watching what you have room anymore in your life, your precious life, to invest in and care about. And our world, enough time. our world in college football is so all-consuming that maybe you just, you're just you all in on the Beavers day-to-day-to-day. To day to day and, and even now more than ever with the Pac-12 dissolution, yeah. where are we going to land? If you have time to read the internet, read stories online, on your phone, wherever else, listen to podcasts. It's all about that, because that's really the only thing that
1: matters to us in yeah. this world. Yeah, So well, you I, have any room favers, for any, Right. Yeah. So forget, <laughs> forget baseball. Yeah, I just I wonder. Mean, because if it isn't going to be, if it's a bye week or if it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday, if it's a Monday, I'm watching Monday Night Football. And then on
0: top of that, John, all of that, whether room, the product itself, and this gets back to the question we asked yesterday. Yeah. Are you? It does the product, in your view, still, and this came off of our conversation with Rich Dorman talking about his young freshman guys and others pitching in the low to mid to upper 90s yeah. on the Beaver staff. The Beaver staff. Yeah. Not a Major League Baseball staff. The Beaver staff. And you can multiply that across the board in the great college programs of which there are many. The power of the arms making hitting so difficult. Is the game itself less watchable for you because of the preponderance of strikeouts. Another strikeout, another strikeout. And then in a strikeout, it's a home run. It doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of in-between. So how is the product itself sitting with well, you as a viewer? Well, we did get yours?
1: a call yesterday saying at the, at the end of the show saying that they're paying for home runs. So if you want to bring that down, stop giving them the high dollars <laughs> for the home runs.
0: Start paying the singles. So Pete Rose was proud to be the first $100,000 singles hitter. <laughs> any thoughts on any of these matters? 497 5356. We do have a guest coming soon, but along the way, if you want to text us anything on these, we'll get to a couple next. And Michael Lev soon to Leah Von in next hour on Joe Radio. Let us get to some text before we uh, break and come back with Michael Lev. You said a couple have come in. I, I'm just curious. It's almost one of these as an old time Aunt Dorothy fan and Jack Nicholson fan from Cuckoo's Nest, and the primacy of the event known as the World Series. This time of year, mid-October, is kind of, I think about that. I think about the import it had for me, and I'm just wondering if anybody else out there still retains a, a degree of almost nostalgia or sentiment towards the big event that Aunt Dorothy, Uncle Merville, and everybody used to watch together.
1: All right, so uh, two two other things that we've been talking about as well. Um <clears throat> I'm listening on my phone right now, but listen in the car on 1240 a.m. while driving. Thank you. Appreciate that. I like the Brady Quinn and Lavar Arrington show in the morning, Jim Rome, and the show with T.J. Zada on Sundays. Yeah, that's a good one. And the fact that you like Brady Quinn and Navar Arrington and Jonas Knox means that you're up really early in the morning because I listen to it every single morning while I'm getting ready for John, the John, you
0: like their work, their show? I do. Okay,
1: I do. I like the, the chemistry and mm-hmm. the goofiness and okay. all that, and they all play a different role. Shane from Corvallis uh, says, I'm 33, and I listen to you guys every day at work. Thank you, Shane. That's great. Um, Marine Layer Podcast. Thanks, Andy. That's what uh, Josh is. Or, oh, yeah. Um, TJ's uh podcast is called Marine Layer. Marine Layer Podcast. Wow, and it's all about the Mariners and it's all really good. Um okay, here's another one. We're a long way. We are a long see if there's okay, there's two, so I'll go back to the mm-hmm. first one. I guess I'm just uh a revised Ludite. Right. DraftKings has changed everything. The games are much more exciting now. You can bet on every single pitch. You right. can. Yes. Every single angle. And if you have not watched the Phillies yet, do it. Yes. Um We're a long way from the nuns at St. Mary's letting us out early for the 1968 World Series. Wow. Who's and, that from, by the way? I'm curious. That's a great text. Uh, oh, it's it's from Honolulu, Hawaii, and I can't remember the name, but.
0: You can there's, bet on three, Darren on McGavin spirit. The spirit of Darren McGavin, Liz. I once made a bet on three-pitch ball.
1: <laughs> you can bet on every yeah, pitch. Sure. Every pitch. What's it going to be and that kind of a thing. Dave from Sandy writes in and says, still like the World Series, but as it gets later and later in the year, I've moved on to other sports, unfortunately. And that makes sense. That's part of it. That's a factor in the whole thing. So, Dave, good point there. Here's another one. I'm a Braves fan, and once they were out, I was out. Like <laughs> you, I used to watch no matter what. I used to watch. I watch no matter what if it's the series. I can't do. I had, like, two nights in a row I've had the championship series on, and I'm at my desk, and the TV is in front. But kind of barely paying attention, Yeah. right? Usually, though, when I turn it on, there's it's already a blowout. Last night it was, like, 7-3, and then it became 8-3, mm-hmm. and then 8-5. Eight, eight, five. Five, yeah throughout the time I was watching, and I was only just half paying attention.
0: That is baseball's problem, is it not? We're all, if if paying attention at all, it's kind of
1: well, half paying attention. You have to figure, here's, I mentioned this this morning, you have to figure... Where we are here. Well, right. We don't have a team. No. If we were in Seattle, it might matter because it matters. Those are divisional rivals. If we're anywhere, anywhere that has a team, it matters. But here, we have had to deal with this, and I hated it since I was a kid. Yes, I love the sport. Yes, I love baseball. Yes, I'll watch the series, but we don't have a team. And it's
0: also just the amount of content that's available. Because I would submit that in 1967, the giant killer year, and all of those years. Yeah. We had a team right here, and probably most people in this town were consumed by what D and the Beavers were doing and beating these great teams. And everybody who's ever lived in the Beaver State was at the game November 11th, 1967. But because there were fewer choices than in October, now that was November 11th, I would dare say that most people who are listening now, before we break and come back with Michael Lev and talk Beaver football proper, Arizona Wildcat football and their resurgence with Michael Lev, who covers them. Everybody in 67 also watched the flowering and subsequent deflowering of New England, the miracle year of the Red Sox. He has his triple crown year, the seven-game World Series. Everybody who was a sports fan watched that classic seven-game World Series, watched the Red Sox and followed that story because there wasn't much else on, but mm-hmm. you always knew the World Series was going to be the central event so ratings and all of that because there's nothing else on no very little college football the nfl was still a sunday thing ascending the nfl was a sunday thing yeah. and, and not not as ubiquitous as it is now no so the world series in those years it even, was America's with, game. even with yeah even with the Beavers being good in the late mm-hmm. 60s and captivating our market here, I'm sure. I wasn't around. But, but not on TV. But not on television. Radio phenomenon. So, right. so here comes the World Series on TV and everybody's in. Yeah, because the Beaver game's on the radio. Yeah. Let's break and come back with Michael Love. Covers Arizona football and wrote a story today. The seven ways that Arizona football has reestablished itself under Jed Fish, creating a high level of anxiety for all of us next week in Tucson. Michael Lev next on the Joe Beaver show. We continue on the Joe Beaver show. Remember tomorrow we're coming to you from the Damian Martinez event at the OSU Beaver Store campus location. There will be a sale going on 20% off the Damian Martinez collection. You can enter to win tickets to the Beaver Stanford game, a tailgate which goes which includes with those tickets to the game, a tailgating spot and a parking pass. So that's a Bonanza of a prize. The drawing will be at 1245 tomorrow for that. Autograph signings taking place with Damian Martinez. His uh, Martinez collection also reduced during the show from 11 to 1. 20% come meet, interact with Damian. He'll join us for a spot on the show. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow between 11 and 1 at the OSU Beaver store. Michael Lev, who covers Arizona Wildcats football, joins us on the Joe Beaver Show as he has off and on over the last several years to kind of give us a perspective on what's happening in Tucson. Michael, thank you for your time again. We appreciate it. How are you today?
2: Of course, I'm doing fine, thanks. How are
0: you? Yeah, we're good, and bye week, it's welcome, I think. I don't know how it is for you and the Wildcats in your world, but both teams going into the bye off of really good wins and yours in particular, Michael. And I say yours. I know you're not a member of the, of the team, but the team you cover of all scores in Pac-12 football this year, 44-6 in Pullman is is for me almost the most astonishing of all scores of all games this year in our league. Just because I, you know, I, I didn't think it was impossible for you to win, but to win for the Cats to win like that. What did you make of, of what unfolded in Pullman?
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, I agree with you. Um, for the most part, like, big favorites cover at home um, in this league the last couple of years. There's a lot of big point spreads in a lot of games. Um, Arizona, I think they ended up as like a 7.5-point underdog when all was said and done and opened around 10.5. Um, I picked them to win. Uh, I thought that they had played really well um, in the preceding weeks against really good teams, uh, you know, uh, Washington. They lost only by only seven points, held them to their lowest, you know, offensive output of the season. Against USC, they easily could have won a game that won the double overtime. Um, I think they had more yards than the, than the Trojans in that game. So, I, you know, I felt pretty good about their chances. But really, I don't think anyone saw that result coming. Um, from after the first drive, Washington State marched down pretty quickly and scored um, on the opening possession of the game. From that point forward, I mean, it was completely one-sided. Um, it was it was a absolute beatdown. Arizona was clearly the better team on both sides of the ball, every facet of the game. And I think it was just I don't know. Maybe we should have seen it coming because they had been playing so well uh, against you know top caliber competition. But I think extremely impressive. Uh, an, an indication that the program is pointed in the right direction and it kind of gives you a feeling uh, moving forward that they could beat just about anybody on their schedule. Mm-hmm.
1: Michael, forgive me for not knowing this. What was the extent of Dolores' injury and what would the situation then be when he comes back? And, and are we approaching that?
2: Yeah, I mean, my understanding is that it was a high ankle sprain uh, and that running back Michael Wiley had the same injury uh, in the same game. Um, Usually a high ankle sprain, I mean, it kind of depends. Some guys end up having surgery, you know, like Brock Bowers at Georgia had the the tightrope surgery, and that kind of extends the timeline out a little bit more. Um, I think most of the time with a high ankle, it's kind of that three- to four-week range. So um, Jaden was healthy enough to dress for the game against WSU, and he took the final snap. Uh, Jed put him in the game to take a knee. You know, that's where, where, uh, uh, where Jaden you know, started his college career, so that was obviously a meaningful um, situation for him. And, yeah, Jed's been very close to the best about the quarterback situation of late. You know, he had been saying for quite some time that Jaden is going to be the starter no matter what, whenever he's healthy, to re- healthy enough to return. But his backup, you know, FITA has played so well that he has made that decision much more difficult for Jed or maybe he's made it easy. I mean, the, the fan base, and I think most people in the media would say that Noah has earned the right to remain the starter, even if Jaden is a hundred percent healthy and ready to return. I think that's the direction that Jed is going to lean because man, I mean, you know, Noah's defeat has been like a 75% passer mm. since he started playing this year. He's, they had only two turnovers in three games. They played really well. Like, why change that? You yeah. Know? So, nothing public um, has been said about that, but I have a feeling that behind closed doors, um, that's the direction that Arizona is leaning. D-
1: does the Arizona fan base, uh do you get the feeling that they're overwhelmingly wanting Fafita to continue on, or is it lukewarm on that? Because, you know, it's always the case that the hot backup is the favorite player on a football team <laughs> and he is couldn't be hotter right now. I think that um, it is definitely more toward
2: overwhelmingly favored Noah. And there's a couple reasons for this. One, I mean, We've all got to see him play now. This isn't a case where, oh, you know, the the starter sucks, put in the backup, and Mm -hmm. then the backup comes in and doesn't play well. Like, Noah has played really well. Um, That's one thing. Uh, Jaden, um, you know, he has a very specific style of play. You know, um, he can make spectacular plays. He can make off-platform throws. He can extend plays and run around and make crazy stuff happen. But he also turns the ball over a lot. He has a very—he has a higher floor. I'm sorry, he has a higher ceiling than No. Fafita, but he also has a lower floor. And Noah is definitely lower ceiling but higher floor. And when you build up the talent uh, around the quarterback position, the way that Arizona has, it might make more sense to go with the higher floor, lower ceiling quarterback who can just kind of act as a point guard, distribute the ball you know, call, execute the plays as they're called, um, as opposed to the guy who has to kind of carry the team. I don't think Arizona is in a place right now anymore where they need a super talented quarterback to carry the team.
0: Michael Lev from the Arizona Daily Star, kind enough to join us during this bye week as the Beavers and Wildcats get ready for a 7.30 kick at Arizona Stadium a week from Saturday. While we, we've started with, as it almost seems a, inevitable uh, in very that you do with the quarterback position when it comes to personnel the 44-6 score itself is astonishing in that kind of route but the six for washington state i just Mm -hmm. i I thought oh my goodness what is johnny nansen the coordinator doing in turning around what has been a a woebegone defense we had that here and trent bray took the reins and immediately their returns were great what has Johnny Nansen found? Is it a transfer portal? Is it schematic? I mean, how has he gotten these guys to play at such a level? And, and that level's really high, isn't it, Michael?
2: It is very high. Um, they are better in every metric you could possibly look at when it comes to defense, points allowed. You know, red zone, um, rushing defense especially has been a, a big, really big one. Um, maybe the only area they're lagging a little bit is turnovers, but they got three takeaways against Washington State. Um, I would say that it hasn't been immediate because they were not good on defense last year either. Um, And it was kind of a transition year, I would say, on that side of the ball. They really focused a lot of their personnel acquisitions on the offensive side to upgrade that part of the game, and they did succeed in doing that. They also, about midway through last year, started playing a bunch of true freshmen. Uh, They, at, at points, had four true freshmen playing along the defensive line. At one time, um, which is really not ideal from a program building standpoint, but they also were just like, "Hey, the, the guys we have aren't getting it done." There's a lot of talent in this freshman group. You know, let's let's put these guys out there and let them get some experience. So, we fast forward to this year. They supplemented the front with defensive with uh, with veteran acquisitions through the transfer portal. This mm-hmm. was a conscious effort the main thrust of their sort of offseason plan was let's get some big, experienced guys in here to, to give us a deeper rotation. And they brought in Bill Norton from Georgia, Tyler Manoa uh, from uh, UCLA, Justin Flo from Oregon. All of these guys have had a huge impact. They're playing more defensive linemen than they had before. Uh, those guys are fresher, and they're making an impact uh, throughout the game. So that's been a big factor. Um, I I think a second factor is that this is the first time in a long time that Arizona's had the same defensive coordinator for two years in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, It has just been a string of changes starting in, I believe it was 2019 when Kevin Sumlin um, fired Marcel Yates with about four games to go. The next game was actually against Oregon state. If you guys remember, and Oregon state absolutely blasted um, Arizona at um, Arizona stadium on homecoming. Uh, Really pretty embarrassing uh, and sorry defensive performance. But then they had Paul Rhodes in 2020, Don Brown in 2021. And so Johnny has been the guy two years in a row, and I think that continuity um, has been a huge asset for the defense.
1: Is the overall rebuild, Jed Fish's overall rebuild, uh, going quicker than you you expected because you're closer to the program? From far away, it seems like it's like, wow, this is – he got it done fairly quickly
2: I would say that it, it sort of depends on how these last five games go you know um, if they're able to go let's say three and two in the last five games and finish seven and five I'd say they're right on track you know they will have gone one and eleven five and seven seven and five and I think if you take out the um, if you take out the pandemic year Jonathan Smith had Oregon has had Oregon State on almost an identical track yeah. to that. And then I think, that, I think the breakout, the real breakout came in year four, if I'm not mistaken. I don't right. have those numbers in front of me, but I remember looking at it and being like, hmm, this looks familiar. So um, I would say that they're very much uh, on pace. Uh, Jed, is, Jed chalked up 2021 as year zero because he came in in late December, um, you know, the class, most of the class already had signed. They didn't have that, you know, unlimited, you know, initial counter rule in place that they have now that enabled uh, Colorado to turn over almost their entire roster. Um, so he was really hand as far as personnel when he first got here, um, has really turned over the roster in the last couple of years in a significant way. And I think they're, they're tracking the way that they, um, the way that he envisioned it. Um, and you know, like I said, a seven and five finish this year would would represent uh, in, incremental progress, and that's kind of what you want to see in a situation like
0: this. Michael Lev from the Arizona D- Daily Star, our guest. You've mentioned Jonathan Smith and the remarkable job he's done here, which I'm sure you know most most people who observe looked at what he inherited and where he's gone so impressively, steadily—not just a meteoric, but steadily. 10 wins last year, coming into your game down in Tucson next weekend at 6-1. and one. First of all, Michael, just observing sort of Oregon State's storyline from afar, but also what you're expecting then in this big game suddenly now for both teams, it, it looks it's taking on even greater magnitude than I think it might have felt like when you saw the schedule roll out uh, a few months ago. Yeah,
2: well, obviously very impressed with Jonathan Smith. Um, Seems like a great cultural fit for Oregon State. He knows how that place works. He knows um, how you can be successful there. What impresses me about them specifically on the field is they seem to have a specific identity. Uh, They're going to be a physical team. They're going to run the ball. They're going to make things as easy as possible for their quarterback. They don't have a lot of self-inflicted wounds. You know, so they're not going to hurt themselves out there. So I think most of the time against Oregon State, you have to beat them as opposed to you know them beating themselves. Uh, I agree that it is a, an underrated and very intriguing matchup um, that's coming up here a week from Saturday. It's not, you know, Oregon-Washington. It's not ranked versus ranked. But um, I think that you can make an argument that Arizona is one of the top 30 teams in the country, regardless of what their record says, just based on the way that they played um, this year. And they have a chance to play spoiler when it comes to, you know, Oregon State's hopes to make the Pac-12 championship game. Um, I think that the lines of scrimmage are going to be really interesting to watch in this game because Arizona controlled both lines against Washington State. Can they do the same thing against Oregon State, which I think um, is better uh, up front than most uh, teams uh, in the Pac-12. Um, you know How much of a factor will home field advantage be? Uh, Oregon State's been pretty much invincible at home, a little bit vulnerable on the road, mm-hmm. lost to that same Washington State team uh, away from Research Stadium. So I think those are some of the storylines that yeah. we'll be looking at as that game approaches.
0: Last couple of things with Michael Lev. I'm wondering, too, the rushing defense numbers, the overall defensive numbers are remarkable, period what Johnny Nansen and in his second year and and the personnel that you talk about, have they been challenged the way Oregon State likes to challenge team in the run game? When I look at the schedule thus far, I don't see a lot of teams that have the Oregon State approach and philosophy. So will this be the real test about really how good they are against the run? Yeah, it's
2: a great point. I mean, USC, Washington, and Washington State are definitely past first offenses. Um, Stanford, I don't really know what, how to classify uh, their team. It's kind of different from week to week. Um, sort of never know what you're going to get. Really, Mississippi State, I would say, is the team that, that just kind of set out to run the ball, um, you know, from the get go as a game plan. Um, more than anybody else, they threw it. They didn't hardly threw the ball at all um, in that game. And Arizona really struggled against them in the first quarter. But button things up thereafter, and that's been kind of a pattern. They've made really good adjustments. Um, so that's a great and, and um, interesting matchup to watch because you know Arizona's played kind of this soft zone, and and their their objective the last three weeks has been to take away big plays.
3: Mm-hmm. You know we're going
2: to place our safeties back. We're going to use this dollar defensive package with seven DBs on the field. And not allow any big plays. Uh, you know, Oregon State, that's not, they're more run, run, and then hit you with play action
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, off of the run. So, you know, that's going to be a great test for this, for this defensive line, for the linebacking core, the safety, um, who's played really well too, to come up and try to stop that run game. I also have a feeling, you know, I don't know, I mean, I haven't watched every snap of Oregon State this year. I don't think DJ Yungle away has Run that much, but the threat exists, hmm. and I think it's there. And he's a tough guy to bring down because he's so big and strong. So I think that's another thing to watch in this game as well.
1: Last thing from me um, do you wish, do, do they wish down there that they never let Jim Mahalchik get away? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great point. I mean, look, Brendan Carroll uh, has been the offensive line coach since Jed got here, and he's actually done a great job uh, of developing. Uh, along that offensive line, I think they have at least two future NFL guys playing tackle uh, for this team, and Jordan Morgan and Jonah Sava-Inaya um, might have some more uh, in the pipeline, uh, depending on how some young guys develop uh, in the interior. But Mihalic was great. Um, he was a, a steadying influence um, during some you know, up-and-down times here, uh, in Tucson, everybody misses him and everybody knows that he will produce a good offensive line, regardless of, you know, how high end the talent is. So um, definitely miss Coach Mihalicic around here. And um, it's no surprise to anyone that Oregon State uh, has you know, one of the better offensive line groups and is one of the best rushing teams.
0: We uh, we won't belabor the rushing game that Arizona has, but a quick thought on speedy Luke, Rayshawn, speedy Luke, and, and the other running backs, even though we know that Jed likes to throw it and Noah Fafita has been throwing it well and productively, but the run game has been pretty effective, too, has it not, Michael? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, Jonah Coleman, the sophomore, has been kind of the main guy since Michael Wiley got hurt, and he has been extremely effective um he is reminiscent of Jacquez uh Rodgers
4: mm-hmm. um in
2: terms of his stature uh and his running style maybe a little bit more physical he's averaging over 5 yards after contact per rushing attempt this season which is a really big number um and he's just it's kind of, he's kind of a bowling ball out there he's really hard to bring down uh DJ Williams is a veteran who's played at Auburn and Florida State who kind of gets the tough yards inside they integrated Speedy Luke last week more than they have before, um, and he is—he is—he lives up to his name. I mean, he's a burner. If he gets in the open field, it's unlikely anyone's going to stop yeah. him. I think there's also a chance that Michael White is going to come back to this game. Hmm. So pretty loaded, pretty loaded uh, running back room uh, for Arizona heading into this Oregon State
0: game. And here's the final thing, Michael, and it's something that we could probably spend the rest of the week talking about. But how? how... How does Arizona Wildcat football fan feel about the move and the move and leaving the conference? And how's that all going over down there? We're we're of course up here wondering just what's next for us. We don't like it right. at all. Uh, what does Arizona? Where does the Arizona fan, in your estimation, in your community, come in on this whole Pac twelve implosion? And you're off to the Big Twelve.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely a twinge of. Sadness that it's all coming to an end, that the familiar rivalries are going to be no more. Um, but there was also, a, I think, a big faction of the fan base that was just kind of fed up with um, the way things were going with the Pac 12, um, the TV negotiations, Pac 12 networks, you know, being difficult to watch, um, and just all the other various issues that the league has had definitely some sentiments around here that, hey, maybe it's time to go. Um, the, the thing about, you know, where Arizona is located geographically, um, it doesn't, it's not that crazy for Arizona to be part of the Big 12, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of fits into that Southwest right. uh, footprint. You're also bringing some familiar foes along with you, you know, ASU is going to, and Colorado is going, and Utah is going, so uh, and BYU is a, mm-hmm. is a school that Arizona's had a long-standing rivalry with. So it's going to be different. It's going to be kind of strange at first, but I, it, it doesn't feel as like, like weird yes. as, you know, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon go to the Big Ten. That, mm-hmm. that just doesn't feel right.
0: How about, yeah, a lot of ways. not to mention Stanford and Cal to the ACC. It's just all uh, weird, Michael. Weirder. Yeah, no, Wait you're right. And you guys are kind of interlopers anyway, Arizona and Arizona State, joining our old league in 78, so now off you go. That's true. (laughs) We've been doing this since 1915 up here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Michael, thank you for the time. Great talking to you. Look forward to seeing you down in Tucson next weekend. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Michael Love, great job on the beat. Open phones before Talia joins us at 1230 on Joe Radio. About a minute to go in this first hour looking forward to open phone conversation on any number of things just to let you know speaking of the Big 12 and the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Pac-2 and I have made the official Dave Dave I've made the official reach out and haven't heard back two different emails to Drake Toll and locked on Big 12. I've gotten two responses. Thank you for your interest in locked on you know this generic oh yeah we someone will get back to you real soon. So two days in a row. So I'm waiting now, hoping to have Drake. Actually, you want that thing to run across his yeah. email, not a handler. Corvallis, yeah. oh, we don't need that. That's a little market. We don't, oh, wait a minute. Oh, Oregon State? We've, and I believe me, I've r- lavished their I've said, hey, w- we hear about you guys every day on our show. It's time to have you on the show if you can. We appreciate your work and what you do. So we hope to do that. But in the meantime, we have open phones before Talia next hour.
1: It's time for the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio with Mike Parker and John Warren. A duo daily
5: making tough decisions in the world of social media. On Facebook.
1: You are unfriended! Uh,
0: On Twitter. Do you follow me?
1: Yes.
0: Well stop following me, I'll have you
1: arrested. Standing up to belittlement. Get this bum out of here. But appreciating those that get it.
3: They ain't got it too easy these fellas trying to tell you what a game
6: is like on the radio.
1: And always trying to win over the skeptical. There's a little toy you'll never have any use for. Uh, the radio. Ah, yes, the radio. But not just any radio. 1240 Joe Radio,
5: and the Joe Beaver Show. And now, here they are. They, they, the ominous they. Mike Parker and John Warren.
0: Hour number two, open phones. That was 2016. Nothing really particular going on in the historical world. Then 15 was Gary Anderson's first year, and we did the auctioneer, the fast-paced, the up-tempo <laughs> thing. 16, that was just sort of in the, just sort of, okay, here we go with the Joe Beaver show. 17, The Eclipse. 18, yeah. The Return of Niner. 19, tell them a story. You know, you coming from L.O. and me from Cottage Grove and the row River Kid. What
1: was the... The the
0: the, the historical
1: the, context? Yeah.
0: Again, nothing just particular. Yeah, yeah okay. kind of a, but then 20, no season, 2020A, no season, 2020B, Cardboard cutouts in the stands. Cutouts, cutouts,
1: yeah. yeah okay.
0: 2021, and again, no particular context, but then last year was they're both Big Ten schools, referring to USC and UCLA and who's next and all that, and then this year. Now, open phones down the stretch, at least for the first half hour of our second hour. Talia von Olhoffen will join us. She's got some really admirable and important things going on for next Sunday, a week from this Sunday's game and the exhibition game against Western Washington. We'll talk to Talia about that, part of that hoops doubleheader and fundraiser. It's a, a, a tailgater trick-or-treat between the games. We'll give you all the details on that here shortly and even talk more about it next week. But in the meantime, we have open phones and open text between now and half past the hour when Talia will join us. So what's on your mind, Beaver Nation, on this bi-week Thursday, 497-5356, the Downward Dog phone line, 497-5356, the University Honda text line, 541-497-5356. Since it is a little bit of a a low in terms of the usual path we're on this time of week with a game just a couple of days away, Mm -hmm. that's why we even are almost seven semi-annually about this time of year wither baseball in your life and the the postseason are you paying any attention the fact that aunt dorothy did was only a function of there wasn't nothing much else on (laughs) and the world series was the national pastime it was the first sporting event ever on television was a world series baseball game baseball was the 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 prime sport and the national pastime for decade after decade. So even people before my generation, I was born in 58. I came to the game in 1966, but even then the times they were changing, things were changing. Football was on the rise, but baseball was my first love and still held a pretty good hold on us young sports fans. The world series. I, I remember them well, 66. I attended game two. Koufax Palmer, 67, the Red Sox Cardinals, 68, Tigers Cardinals, the Miracle Mets of 69, Brooks Robinson's great exhibition in 70, the seven-game series in 71, the A's winning three straight, 72, 73, 74. I attended two World Series games in 74 in Oakland. 75 maybe the greatest World Series and the peak of ratings game six Carlton Fisk.
1: so with all of that
0: so we all watched where do you
1: stand right now
0: I don't really it, you're asking it's the question. not I'm asking and but I'm where saying do you stand? I've slipped I mean I the Phillies Phillies baseball yeah. against the Braves I watched quite a bit of one of the games yeah a little bit of another I haven't seen a pitch yet of the series with the Diamondbacks haven't seen a pitch of the Rangers Astros. <laughs> but there was a time when I wouldn't miss a pitch, if that makes any sense. So, what's going on in the world? Of the
1: championship series? Even the
0: LD, yes, the National League Championship Series in the Those were compelling games. I think about the, the 80s and the Red Sox uh, and Angels and the comeback by the Sox and the comeback by the Sox even as recently as 2004 to come back from 3 0 down to beat the Yankees and get to the series. But it just. I don't know. I, I and I love the game. And I don't really care that much what's happened. And if any of you if that resonates with any of you, feel free. What's supplanted all of it as your years have gone along or it hasn't and you're all in. You're locked in. You love it and you can hardly wait to this year's World Series. Wherever you are on that continuum 4975356, but it is the Joe Beaver show. Doug is going to join us and I imagine perhaps Talk to us as he did. I give Doug great credit. Is this our friend Doug who told us originally about the locked on Big 12 people? Doug and Salem? Oh, yeah, Doug and Salem. Okay, well, he's the one who said, hey, locked on Big 12. So I give him all the credit in the world because the credibility, all of that seems to be with each foray I make into their world and Ross Dellinger, whom they quote, and Jim Williams. There does seem to be a a well-based set of sources that they have that I've come around to, not so much who are those guys, I'm still trying to learn that specifically, but respecting them for the work they're doing. And I'm hoping we can have Drake himself on the show. But in the meantime, if if anything is grabbing your attention during the bye week, storylines, the Pac-12 conference, anything, let's jump into it before Talia joins us four, nine, seven, 5356 Doug on the downward dog phone line. Good afternoon, Doug.
3: Yeah. Thank you. It was a great day to be a beaver. We have, you know, we have uh, six wins now, so we're going to go to a ball game and, and that's super good. I was uh, looking at the internet and the, there's a, a, a vignette on there about who's going to go to what bowl games. And this, these people, they predicted Oregon State was going to go to the Holiday Bowl now. So that's very impressive. And all things, they have, they predicted that maybe, you know, Oregon State would play Clemson, which would make it very interesting with our quarterback and their coach, you know. Yes. You know, they're, they're departing. So that That's very impressive. It'd be great to go to a Holiday Bowl, um, first of all, yeah. And uh, on the Big 12, you know, my 99% stuff has been very quiet. You know, it's kind of backed off the— about the last week or so compared to uh, two weeks before that. So who, who knows? It was always very quiet, then all of a sudden, boom. You know, Penn State goes to Big Ten, and all of a sudden Texas and Oklahoma are off to the SEC. Mm-hmm. It was always quiet, and then all of a sudden, boom, you hit yeah. by this, this cannon shot, you know? Yep. The only thing that was different was, was uh, the uh, four-corner sh- schools going. That was in the news maybe two months that it, you know before it happened, you know? And, uh but when Southern county and UCA you know went in the, in the summer about two years ago or what a year and a, two and a half year two, year and a half ago that came out of nowhere you know so who knows I, I think right now the, the the lawsuit the legal action is holding us back because mm-hmm. you know, maybe nobody wants to touch us because of the lawsuit situation so who knows what's, what what's going on there but I just thought you know, we're, we're, we're having a great season and we might' for a very good ball I mean you know the LA bowl and the Las Vegas bowl are nice, but the Holiday Bowl is quite a lot better. You know, so and even better than the uh, the uh, Sun Bowl. So it's looking looking really good for us.
0: Well, yeah, and Doug, the re- part of the reason we haven't talked about bowl eligibility or bowl projections, several things. This time of year, with five games remaining, and where the Beavers are positioned right now, I'm not quite ready. To, even though you make a good point, if you end up in the Holiday Bowl, that's a good bowl, a very good bowl. And you may have a compelling matchup, such as you suggested, and others are perhaps projecting. But, Doug, I'm sure you join me in waiting and hoping and believing for something even better than that. Nothing wrong with that, but the Beavers control their destiny within the league. And so I'm still thinking about even bigger things than that. I hope you are, too.
3: Yeah, but I have to be a little bit realistic, you know. I mean,
0: no, you don't. <laughs> but, but <laughs> you don't have to be. You can choose to be, but you don't have to be.
3: Well, my preseason, you know, uh, paper paper schedule, you know, pocket yeah. schedule, is that we get eight eight wins.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah, how do you feel, how do you feel uh, about how do you feel about that right now, Doug? The eight win prospect.
3: I think we're going to do better. But, I mean, we have these two big games that are going to be very hard to, to win. That's Washington and Oregon.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: No, regardless of whoever are being played. And the only one we almost put in our pocket would be Stanford at home. The others are, are 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 kind of a doubtful um, because we just don't play that way, well away. So maybe the Arizona game will be pivotal. Yeah. But I, I was watching the second half of the. The Colorado UC uh, Southern Cal game, and, and I was very impressed with Colorado. I mean, put twenty points on Southern Cal in the second half, and that was so that they had a lot of talent. So that that one is really, you know, who knows what'll happen there, you know, up in bowl or with the altitude and everything. Right. So, so it, it's it, it's just you just hope you know that but we, we could go to the, God forbid we go to the Rose Bowl for the for, for change since <laughs> 1953 or so.
4: Yeah.
3: No. One couple, I don't think that one couple still around. You heard about the one couple. They're going to the Rose Bowl in 53, and they're going to drive we're so around I-5, you know, and, and near Iceland, Iceland, you know, they had a snowstorm, and they, they cut off the road, so they couldn't go. So, so they turned around and went back home and they told themselves, well, we'll just go next year to the Rose Bowl.
0: Right. Next year <laughs> and, or the next time, yes. Yeah, well, next year became next decade. You know, we're still waiting. And next millennium, yeah. yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. So um, that's just, a, just nice to even think about. Even you, You're almost dismissing the uh, holiday bowl. Like a couple of years ago, some of the Oregon players were Dismissing the uh, Rose Bowl right. because they wanted right. something better. They wanted the uh, yep. national championship game.
0: Now, believe me, that, to- yeah, I'll go back, Doug, to the, my, my, my response to you saying that a bowl projection has the Beavers in the holiday. That if that comes about because of how the schedule plays out, that's a great bowl and a great opportunity. We've never been there. But I, I am not dismissive of it as, a, as an experience and as a potential landing spot. I'm just saying that until... The Beavers lose again, and that, heck, I don't know. That could be a week from Saturday in in Tucson, for all I know. I'll be less interested in those kinds of projections as long as the Beavers keep winning. And you've already brought up the challenges ahead. Tucson's going to be hard. Boulder's going to be difficult. I take nothing for granted in this league, even at home, although I think they'll take care of business against Stanford. Then they get Washington at home. I like the Beavers at home against anybody. And if they've won all of those games, then they've played themselves, I think, in a sense, even out of and above the Holiday Bowl, potentially. So let's just hold tight before we put too much stock in bowl projections.
3: Right. Have you ever seen circumstances where it's been more, really, I mean, really bitter for the Civil War game? I mean, we have (laughs) our president really going after their president at the hearing. I mean, it was was nasty. I mean, (laughs) this is going to (laughs) be... Yes, it is. This is, is Doug. going to be a battle of the bones kind of a, <laughs> a game or something.
0: No, well put, Doug. Good to hear from you. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's go to Ken up next on the Downward Dog phone line. John, to me and by week at six and one, and I've been saying this to a number of friends that I've been talking to this week on often on the air on different shows, the very fact that we're having this conversation Canzano had a guy on, somebody named mm-hmm. Bartu. I'm not sure what who he is exactly. He does something, the football, whatever. He's a good dude. He's a good guest. Bartu was on saying there are three teams that hold, their, that hold their own destiny in the conference right now, and it's Washington, Oregon, and Oregon State. Those are the only three teams that do. He thinks everybody else has to have other circumstances fall in place. But Bartu, his point is yeah. that if the Beavers went out, in the regular season, they go to Vegas at that. And that there's no, well, of course. they don't need any help there. And then they could win in Vegas. And he thinks if you
1: do that, you're in the four. Well, yeah. I mean, you, so, you, 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 when you get to that point, a lot will have happened. But and Exactly. You have to be in the final and four. The, well, you have to. Well, he, you'd, he be just, close. you'd be yeah, in You'd the be right
0: in it. Yeah. And he thinks they would be in it based on the quality of schedule and wins you'd have down the stretch. If you run the table, win twice. Beat yes. somebody twice yes. against the good teams that will be so highly ranked that they are. He, the B, So the very fact seven games into this year we're still talking like that is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And seven games in we're talking about being bowl eligible. It's yeah. the quickest time since, what, 2012?
0: Yep. Let's go to Ken next on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Ken.
1: Hi, guys. Hey, just want to give my
6: take on the baseball-football popularity yeah. argument. Um so just real quick, I grew up in Southern California. I've talked to you about it before, my. Yes. I grew up in West Covina, not, not too far from you. Um, I think what we've lost in baseball, and just in my personal opinion, is the connectivity to star players that are on your, book team
0: mm-hmm.
6: for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up in the Steve Garvey, Ron Say, mm-hmm. Davey Lopes, you know, era, yeah. you get attached, attached to players and teams and pitchers that are on the team for 10, 12, 14, 15 years at a time. We've lost that in today's Major League Baseball, which is sad to me that every year you go into it. I don't even know who's the starting five pitchers for the Dodgers next year. I'm a huge Dodger fan. I I have no idea if Kershaw, best pitcher of our era in my opinion, is even going to be on the roster. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's number one. But number two, I read an article not long ago about the influence of sports betting and the popularity of football. It's very, very, very difficult to bet on baseball. Um, unless you're Pete Rose, but um, it's, it's tough to bet on the popularity of these sports betting and football. One game mm-hmm. where you don't even care who is on the teams, but your bet, you know, gives you, have you pick a side of which team you want to bet on. And then fantasy sports for football and betting is just gigantic. So I just, it's sad. I, you know, I, I watch baseball. I watched a little bit of the game last night. It's exciting I love watching the World Series regardless of who's in it but when you don't have your team in it, I, I agree with the Jim Romes where baseball is very regional feeling to me
5: mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you
6: have a regional you know your team and your I know who's on the Giants roster and the, and, the, and the Diamondbacks. I don't know who's on the roster of the Cleveland Indians except for beavers so
0: yeah, yeah. baseball
6: football I think is very personal to the players that's just my take.
0: Yeah, and thanks for the call, Ken. Well, I'd love to explore this further only in that I had heard, and is it true or not, that baseball has great binary-type situations and that thus betting and legalized betting would be a great boon to interest in the sport. I thought we had a call or a text or somebody saying the fact that you can bet on every pitch and this and that and the other would add to people tuning in and betting on every outcome.
1: It didn't work out that way. Well, or, I don't know unless the numbers show that. I don't know if it did or didn't. I I know you can bet on every pitch, but that doesn't draw me in. It doesn't.
0: Well, I know. I'm saying it doesn't draw you or me. But I'm wondering in the the gambling better world, yeah. does it? And has baseball had a spike or a boon because people said, well, the outcomes in baseball lend themselves to betting pretty quickly and easily. I, I've never bet. Football. I've never bet, so I don't know. Let's go to Doug. On the downward dog phone line. Good afternoon, Doug.
5: Hey, good afternoon, Mike and John. You guys have been talking about a lot of themes, uh pro sports, baseball, having enough time, listening on the radio. Right. I'm a little bit redundant. I grew up in Southern California till the mid my mid teens. Um, and my first love was the LA Dodgers. And mm-hmm. I hung on, you know, every call that Vin made till he signed off after he gave Mm-hmm. from around both leagues late and got there with my transistor radio I tell you what um i've kind of given up on major league baseball i don't think i've seen an inning pitch this whole season and it's a couple things there's time i invest so much of my time in college sports that is the beavers um that i have to leave some time for other things right some balance in life and that's the same for the nfl but I'm really kind of ticked at Major League Baseball, and and particularly my Dodgers. I'm kind of, they're dead to me now because of what they did last summer, um, kind of dismissing and and actually um, defacing religion and the church. And they made some choices there that were really, and will always be difficult for me to uh, understand or support. Mm -hmm. So, So there's that. But okay. in order to avoid being an entire downer, I actually, I want to disagree with Doug in Salem. I'm optimistic, you know, about our, and, and despite, you know, realignments and all that holiday bowl. Yeah. We've looked forward to that. Wanted that for a long time, but our ceiling is very, very high. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so optimistic about what's in front of us and, yeah. and uh, our coach.
0: Yeah, I agree, Doug. If the beaver now, I think this Tucson game, because of how well Arizona's playing on both sides of the ball, because their fans will be engaged in their community at 4-3 and three, and the way they're playing and the close losses they've had, they, they go into this with a great deal of momentum and confidence. That's going to be hard. But if the Beavers come out of that with a win, and I think they will, hard or not, I think they will, I think then they do get on that run that takes them to Eugene with a shot at getting to Vegas.
5: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
5: I'll get off now. Kay. Thank you very Thank you,
0: much. Doug. Good talking to you, Dave and Tumwater. We don't have a great deal of time. To Leah von Holzhoff, and is on deck. So go, man, go. What do you got for us today?
4: Okay. Well, the good news for in some people's minds uh, <laughs> will be that uh, my I uh, uh, heard from my editor. I gotta I gotta get my edits back by <laughs> November 20th, which even puts my status in uh, Colfax on the 14th of November in doubt. But uh, so, anyway, so you'll be hearing less of me, perhaps, okay. for the inter, just so, so you don't get worried about me. <laughs> okay, thanks for will. that. But, um, first of all, Drake Toll's sick. Uh, he's had a bad cold. Ah, uh, uh, okay. He, he, the last two podcasts he taped Tuesday night, so that might explain okay. why you haven't heard from him. I was playing around with a potential Pac-12 football alignment. One other reason why I think that conference might want to go so I uh, to, to 18 teams. So I have three pods of six teams. The one that would interest us most as us, the Cougs, Utah, BYU, Arizona, and ASU, one Then I've got kind of my southwest sector, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, Colorado, and Houston. And then the eastern segment, which would be, UCF, West Virginia, Cincy, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. So I I see a scheme where you play three at home, two away in your pod, one at home, one away in each of the other uh, two pods, and then the the teams of the two best records play for the conference championship at Jerry's World in Dallas the first weekend in December.
0: That's interesting. You've had you have less time on your hands to to play around with those things. It sounds like in the days to come. So I'm glad you got well, that in before the big push, Dave. Anything else before? Anything else uh, that's caught your attention here in the last day or two?
4: No, well, this note's been laying around for a week. Okay. So I've, I've been in. I've been back in my office uh, e- editing and track changes. I hate track changes. But anyway, that's all I got for today, guys. I might not be calling as often, but you can bet on the fact that I'll be
0: listening. I appreciate it, Dave. We always do. Thank you so much. We will break and come back with Talia von Oldhofen. She has something in addition to all the other philanthropic efforts that are going on on October 29th, the week from this Sunday, something else that I I hope will resonate with you. It's been important to Talia, and I'm sure it will. So we're just asking Beaver Nation to be as generous uh, as possible and kind and aware and present as possible Sunday, October 29th, to watch basketball, a men's and women's doubleheader between games, a trick-or-treat event. It's going to be a great day, and Talia is going to add to that. She joins us next on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren, great to have you with us. And we are so excited. This is a wonderful time of year. We've actually given a little bit of a nod to the great game of baseball and Yesterday, we had Rich Dorman on. You yeah, can fun. see the Beavers at 10.15 Saturday morning during this bye week. A week from Sunday, a Hoops doubleheader at Gill Coliseum. The women's basketball team at 1.30 against Western Washington. The men will play Southern Oregon at 5. In between, there is a trick-or-treat event presented by Safeway. We'll give you some of the details on that in a moment. But among other things going on, not just an opportunity to see these two teams play Free admission, but next Sunday, a week from this Sunday, 1.30, the Beaver women's basketball team hosting Western Washington. Free admission, fans can support Maui Wildlife Relief through a donation to Hope Chapel at the game that has been set up by our next guest, Talia Von Oldhofen, who also supported Wildlife Fire Relief this past summer. With a basketball game in Pasco, over $6,000 raised. This is a person whose heart indeed is caring and giving and loving and a tremendous basketball player, too. Just named preseason All-Pac-12 along with teammate Reagan Beers. Talia von Olhoffen. I'm sure excited for the year and excited about what's ahead for herself, for her teammates in the year coming. But Talia, first of all, it just warms all of our hearts. We're thankful to you for what you're doing and reaching out from Maui, what you did for Pasco in the basketball camp. So thank you for taking time for us. But let's start with these things first. Where and how all of this within your own heart comes from to to try to find ways to help people in need. Tell us how important that is to you.
7: Yeah, it's super important just in general, but definitely with Maui being um, closely connected to my family um, and my culture, that was definitely super important for me to find a way that I could help um, with not being able to uh, get over there and see my family, especially because all we got going on this season coming up, but um, it was a super special opportunity, uh, and along with that, just to be able to get in the gym with those kids in my area uh, meant a lot lot to me, and obviously for a great cause.
0: Talia, how was your family situated in terms of the, the Maui wildfire safety and all of that?
7: Yeah, they they were all safe. Um, I don't have any family directly in Lahaina, um, mostly on the other side of the island. So mm-hmm. my family was safe, um, helped house people who lost their homes. Um, and obviously my family over there um, had more close connections to people in Lahaina. But, yeah, they did everything they could to help. Um, luckily, everyone was
0: safe. Talia Von and joining us. So you know, sometimes these big and, and catastrophic sort of news stories hit and people are in the moment, oh, my gosh, what can we do? Okay. there's still There has to be, I would think, tremendous need in terms of families and, and, and homes and, and community that needs to be rebuilt. So to that end, what do you have going for the Western Washington game a week from Sunday in terms of how important all of that still is? What can Beaver Nation do to help?
7: Yeah, I think just coming out to support um, and contributing whatever you can to um, the release fund. And just even if it's just spreading that awareness to maybe someone else that could donate or help out. Um, but definitely just coming together as a community and as Beaver Nation to support um, people going through such a tragedy um, is super important. And I know that Beaver Nation is going to do great and it's super capable of that. So I'm just excited and happy that we're able to do this.
1: Talia Von Olhoff and our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show as we get ever so closer to another basketball season coming up. Now, you raised over $6,000 putting on basketball camps and whatnot in Pasco, Washington this summer. It says here that you did all the work. You did uh, the, the legwork, logistical work, all of that. Was that kind of uh, uh, um, thrown into the fire on how to do all that stuff and now you can consider yourself an experienced event planner? Yeah, it was definitely
7: um, a learning experience for sure. I am a business major, so I had a little bit of an idea of how it was going to go, and I managed it as best I could. We were in Italy for a lot of it, but um, yeah, I went through all the registration, planning it, pretty much everything. My family helped me, but um, I tried to organize it as best I can, and Brian, my trainer back home, helped me out too, Um, so it was a super cool experience to plan something like that with so many people, and I definitely feel more capable of doing bigger things down the road, so yeah, it was just a great overall experience and got to help out a lot of people and um, provide a cool experience for, for the kids in my area, so it was just amazing.
1: Was it, was it more about organizing for you and doing the business side of it, or did you get a chance to actually get on the court with the kids?
7: Oh, yeah, I was on the court with the kids. Brian and I um, kind of ran it and then brought in other coaches as well. But I was definitely on the court the whole time. So, yeah, trying to make sure that everything was good and then focusing on, um, you know, teaching and, and giving them whatever I can and um, just trying to make a fun learning experience for them. But, yeah, I was, I was on the court for all six hours or whatever it
0: was. So it was fun. To Leah Von Olhoff and joining us. And again, to Leah, with respect to the Maui wildfire, the state of Washington, summer to summer, it seems your home state and here in our state. I mean, it just seems like an annual sort of of reality that we're dealing with. What, how affected were? I mean, it. You had something on your heart to contribute now to wildlife fire relief in your area and in the state of Washington. How did you sort? What, what was your sense of awareness of the need? For that, and how so many people's lives were affected by those
1: wildfires.
7: Um, yeah, obviously where I'm from, um, my area, and then just now Hawaii, and how closely my family's connected to that. Um, you know, I've seen it happen, and you hear about it every year. I haven't had anything too close to home or too impactful for my family personally, but obviously I see how it impacts others, and how quickly you know you can. One family or one person can lose so much. So it's definitely an important cause and something that um, I want to be able to help people that go through that because it is it is such a devastation. But yeah, I think it's super important for Oregon um, people, especially to get behind causes like that because it does hit so close to home for sure.
0: Talia Von Oldhoff and joining us on The Joe Beaver Show. <laughs> Andrew Goodwin has pointed out, he's your Athletics Communications Director, and you've also talked about how you were behind the scenes while in Italy in an exhibition tour, and we saw a lot of the posts, it looked like an incredible experience, we'd love to hear from you about that, but behind the scenes, you were doing a lot of the organizational and logistical stuff for the aforementioned camp. (laughs) How difficult was it, to Leah to do both, to be a basketball player and a teammate, a tourist, and an organizer all at once.
7: Yeah, um, <laughs> I wasn't able to play any of the games in Italy, so I was pretty much just running every day and getting my conditioning in and then doing what I could um, at the practice that we had. But, um, yeah, I tried to soak it all in and be a source and be there for my teammates. Um, the games were super fun, just watching this new group come together um, but yeah, definitely some late nights with the time difference, going through emails and all of that. Um, I worked super hard on it, and I sacrificed a lot to make it happen. And um, it was a great experience and something that was super important to me and very fulfilling. So
1: were you, Were you hurt? What, what? How come you weren't playing?
7: Yeah, I I um, got had surgery at the end of the season last year. Uh, oh,
1: still and, recovering. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I
7: just got back got back in September, so I'm I'm good to go now, but I didn't play in Italy.
1: Yeah, no. how do you feel after coming back and getting into the swing of things?
7: Yeah, I feel great. We had a little break after Italy, and by the time we got back to it, um, I was full go and then was was 100% ready for official practice, so it's been a great um, couple months with this group, and getting back to full strength um, has been amazing and it was a super good experience for me to take a step back and back as but um you know i'm back and i'm super excited for this year and uh, what this team
1: can do yeah let's get into that um upcoming season again the last one i'm sure you're not thinking about that it's just go out there and win everything uh how do you feel about you know things went things didn't go as well last year lots of injuries everybody back full and ready to go uh, practice has been uh, going going well
7: yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, we had a lot of injuries last year, um, not having to meet for a lot of the season. I was I was hurt the last few months, um, as well. So we just we just went through a lot last year and it was I think it was just a learning experience and I've grown so much um, since then. I feel like a completely different person, completely different player. I feel healthy, my body's um, working as good as it has so far. So um, I'm just really excited for this group, and we got some dogs on this team, and I think um, the fans are, are going to see a very different team than they have in the last few years. Um, so I'm just excited to go out there and compete um, and kind of be that underdog team this year. And I'm excited for the fans to get to
1: see that. In the workouts that you've had as a team, uh, and what you've seen is, you know, even on the Italy trip, who. Makes an impression on you? They got bigger, faster, stronger, or a freshman that has come in that you're like, oh, okay, all right, I see you. Is there anybody that stands out like that for you?
7: Yeah, I mean, how much time do you have? I think, every, <laughs> I think everyone has impressed me. Um, obviously, Reagan's Reagan. I think um, Samia has a lot more to show than she did last year. I, I've had some talks to her about that. I don't think the the world has seen a Gardner yet, so I'm excited for her to emerge this year. Um, and then talking about the freshmen, I mean, all three of them have just completely blown me away. I'm so impressed by them. Um, we don't have a highly ranked recruiting class. They're not getting all the hype that other other freshman classes are getting, but they're tough, and they're going to surprise a lot of people and, and play a big role on this team. Um, obviously, you know, A.J. Mottiske, Louie, they're all solid and all have improved um, their three-point shooting. I think Martha's going to be seeing um, the floor a lot at the point all position team this year, and she's definitely just stepped up her, her court general skills, her leadership. Um, and then Sila and Kelsey coming in have been huge for us down low. Um, going against Reagan practices <laughs> every day is not easy, and um, they're accepting that challenge, and they've gotten so much better. And so one through thirteen, I think we've just taken a whole taken it to a whole different level. Um, and I'm I'm just so proud of everyone so far and and we've worked so hard that we're all just itching to get out there and deal. Um, and so yeah, just counting on the days.
0: Yeah, and we look forward to seeing you and your teammates one thirty on Sunday, the twenty ninth a week from this Sunday against Western Washington. One final thing to Leah, appreciate your time. And look forward to Beaver Nation supporting the Maui Wildlife Relief Program through a donation to Hope Chapel at Gill that day. Hope people will come ready to with their uh, kindness and their love for people in need that uh, you have helped create awareness for. We appreciate that. But that is the return of a teammate to the coaching staff. How's that been? Aaliyah Goodman is coach. You played with her. What's that dynamic been like? I know you're a coachable player but is it strange at all? Is it fun? What's that experience been like so far?
7: Um, it's been super fun. It, it's not. It's a little bit strange. I've never. I've never played for anyone that I've played with before. But I think my situation and how I came in her senior year, I was just this little high school kid. So <laughs> at the time, it really did feel like she was my coach. Mm. Um, she helped me so much, and she was um, definitely just the driving force of that team, the leader. Um, I looked to her for everything in in those two months, I think, that I played. Um, And so I've always just had so much respect for her and her knowledge of the game um, and how she plays. And so I knew even then that she was going to be an amazing coach um, and was super excited for wherever she was going to end up. And so now being able to play for her and knowing that um, when she tells me something it's because she's been there, she's been through it, and she knows, she knows how I'm feeling, she knows how I think, like, she knows all of it. So just having that comfort and knowing that um, all the advice and everything she's telling me, it, it just means a little bit more, knowing that she's only two, what is it, three years away from having done it herself. Um, so I know yeah. that she knows what she's talking about, and she knows how to communicate with me um, and we have that close relationship. So it's been amazing. Um, I cried right when I found out that she was mm-hmm. going to be coming back. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge difference maker um, for the team. But for me personally, just having her there um, has already just made so many different things better. So I, I love Leah. She's an amazing coach, amazing human. Um, and so I'm just excited um, for the future of this program with, with her in it.
0: Beautifully said, Olia. I mean, Olia Talia. thank you. I'm glad talking about Olia Talia Von Oldhoff and our guest. Talia. thank you so much for making time. Thank you for your heart for people uh, reflected in your work in Pasco over the summer and now a week from this Sunday with fans, Beaver Nation, supporting the M- Maui Wildlife Relief Program that you've set up for people to commit to and donate to at the game on Sunday, the 29th at 1.30 against Western Washington. Thank you for making time for us, Talia. We appreciate it.
7: Yeah, thank
0: you guys for having me. Have a good one. You too. Talia von Olhoffen, our guest. Boy, a lot. You're just talking to her about playing. She played with Aaliyah in that odd sort of, yep, yeah, I'm going to come in and play the last two months as oh, a yeah. high school
1: senior. Graduated early.
0: And did I? if if, if the legend serves, she made a three-pointer on yes. her first attempt.
1: Yes, that's right. Her first right. field goal yeah. attempt. Yeah. And then, you know, she should have been in high school. Yeah. That that was pretty cool. I, I can't believe it's been, what is it, four years now? Three? Well. That's incredible. Three years ago. I mean, the. Yeah, I remember when she came in, and I was listening to Ron at that, that time yeah. when she came came in off the bench. We will take our final break today. Our thanks
0: to Talia for joining us. Tomorrow, remember, Damian Martinez. And I cajoled Gary Johnson to join us. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't want to get... I'm not looking around right now like uh, Jack yes, Gordon are. and being <laughs> yes, there. Yes, you are. I spoke earlier today to... Chauncey Gardner, and, and kind of looking, looking around, around like, oh, gathering right. the uh, admiration and approval from <laughs> the people that the president of the United States. Yeah, I spoke to Chauncey
1: Gardner. Hal Callen. Hal Callen had, had, had a little that look of that too. When Dennis in the post-game. during the two thousand season. Yeah, and he yeah, was very was looking around, and it was well deserved yes. because of everything uh, he'd
0: been through. But what? Gary Johnson, I look around like Jack Wharton and being there, <laughs> <laughs> the official ask the referee Gary Johnson. It's been a while. Picked up the call. We started talking about of face masks, of non-ruffing calls, of different aspects of yeah, life. What
1: do we have to ask him about?
0: He's coming. He's going to talk about that. And just, it's been years. So Gary's coming by the Beaver store tomorrow, for, and we'll just pepper him with questions about officiating, about mechanics. It was a good conversation about an official getting hurt on the sideline. The alternate comes in just about... We had some odd oh, yeah, things yeah. in the officiating world, yeah. I thought. And Gary agreed. He was at the game. And he said, well, at first I was applauding, not applauding, but just, okay, I get, you know, there's my colleague out there. Yeah, and he, I understand that call. He said he went home and watched the game on replay. Ooh, ooh. They were wrong about some things, so he's going to actually <laughs> say that. I bet. Tomorrow. I wonder.
1: I wonder this. Well, I'll ask yeah. him this, but I wonder what it's like when you're in that world and they all know each other. It's a fraternity, and you're not refing a game, and and your buddies make bad calls. How do they yeah. work? How do they talk to each other inside the fraternity? Well, you really blew that. Oh, call. I'm sure. If you went or into not.
0: a, yeah, if you went into an umpire's room, an officials' room, or wherever after a game. Boy, Jonathan was really on me on that. Did I did I really miss it that badly? <laughs> yeah, as a yeah, matter of fact, yeah, you, you did. did. You know, the the one thing, the one thing that I, that I almost made me laugh, because we've talked about this a lot. And let's talk about it when we come back. Yeah. Ho- remind me of that sort of vision I've always had and hope for a white hat oh, yeah, to kind yeah, yeah. of <sighs> okay, we hear the booze. We'll talk about that with one call in particular in the game against with the Beavers and UCLA. And Gary Johnson will join us tomorrow in person. Damian Martinez in person. We'll give you those final details next on Joe Radio. More is less. More is less. But Cravante Barnett, I think, was his name, the white hat. I'd never heard of him before. That's an interesting name in itself. By the way, Arizona has a defensive back, a corner named Ephesians Prysock. Yes, Ephesians. I don't know if he has a cousin named Thessalonians or, uh, you know, a brother named Galatians, but we'll find out. There is an Ephesians prize sock in the secondary for Arizona. That will require a little more exploring and diving into as we get to game week next week. I do think their punter is first Thessalonians. Anyway, we've, (laughs) Cravante Barnett, Cravante, I'd never heard of that name, never heard of him before. But the other night, When the running into the kicker occurred, Mm -hmm. the juggled snap and the step and a half at most, is he out of the tackle box at that point? I mean, he barely, he juggled the snap and did do a step and a half rugby style punt maybe at most and got the kick away and while his leg was up in the air, got clipped and upended. Okay. To me, that rose pretty close to the threshold of running into at least, or, you know, or yeah. roughing.
1: Yeah. So the question for Gary
0: would be is what constitutes out of the
1: tackle box? Yes. Well, what, co- what, what constitutes a punter becoming, becoming a live player? Becoming a live player. Yeah. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah. But
0: the fans were booing immediately. No flag out. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah. And it was funny to me. This was Cravante was giving me what I've always sort of wanted the white hat to do more of. Uh-huh. The boos were coming. He had no need to turn. He turned on his mic almost immediately. The the putter was out of the tackle box. Uh, he was running with a ball. And, uh, you know, it was almost like
1: responding to the crowd's boos. He, because he hadn't officially squared up his shoulders to the press box to give the official one. <laughs> no, he hadn't. It was a reaction. He's almost one. like running down there.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I hear you. See, I hear funny. you. That's I know. Funny. I see him. He did. This happened. I've always just thought I'd like to hear the official de- sigh. Even just turn on the mic and okay, okay. I hear you. I hear. You. I know you think. Yeah, should have passed. Should have called pass interference there. But 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 here's why. But here's why we didn't. That ball was uncatchable. <laughs> Come, you know, come on now. Don't get on me for something like that. It's second down. That would I'd be like to hear an best. official
1: take on a personality like that. That would be the best. And, <laughs> the, and again, you go back about, I don't know, 40 years to Ben Dreith, who right. was a, as close as you could get to that because he would get real excited about it. He's down there. And he's, he's down there, and he's working <laughs> him over, and he's Give giving a, him the business. Right. I love that. We all did. He yes. That was
0: fantastic. Yeah, i just turn on the mic. I know you think we could call in on every play. That's what you all say. Well, I, we are calling it again because he did hold him again. And there it is. You know, that type of thing. I
1: know, and I'm sure they have standards. But I would love, I can't wait to talk to <laughs> Gary tomorrow. What is it like in the fraternity when, you're, when your colleague screws it up and you weren't working that game?
0: I mean, we, you know, Jim and I both, there are times with. We hold our breath. Our corners are fairly physical. So, Jaden Robinson, I said, Jimmy, a little hand fighting running down the sideline on that play, incomplete. And Jim said, Yes, there was, Mike. But the difference here is Jaden turned and looked back for the ball near the end of the hand fighting. And there was some contact. And that's a tough call. The interference. But if he doesn't look back, they
1: might call it. Yeah, because it just shows he had no intent. Of covering, it was more about He's just just impeding, impeding. And, and holding. And Whereas grabbing. if you look back, yeah. it gives the the the, the look that you 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 too are trying to find right. the ball and, and pick it off. And that I wonder. I want to ask
0: Gary that: Does the Jim Wilson saying, "Well, he turned and looked back for the ball," in a sense exonerate him for all the other little, uh, give yeah, him the business stuff running down the sideline yeah, right. on the pattern? There,
1: there's a lot of that, and the the fewer the flags are called on that, I'm I'm all uh, for me it. Me too.
0: I prefer less calls, be, but it also, you know, fans boo that at home if that game was taking place at Pasadena. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you see, he made a play on the ball. Right, right. You know, just all of that where you almost get that in some of these little sidelight broadcasts that go mm-hmm. on where you have a Dean Blandino or somebody trying to explain right. what the official is thinking. I'm just saying take it to the next level and have the official himself
1: deal with yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And do those and it looks bad. Do those new Blandinos <laughs> ever go, yeah, he really blew that one? Not too often. <laughs> they they're usually do pretty, they,
0: but they usually, they'll come back and say, I'm surprised they didn't overturn that, yeah. which
1: means they think he was wrong.
0: See you at the Beaver Store tomorrow with Damien, 11 to 1.